0: The in-between time is between the first advent of Christ and the second advent. You are a part of this unique period of time when we live with all this remarkable truth about Jesus, the Spirit of God living in us, the assurance of salvation, and we live in a world still in woe and darkness and we're waiting for the final consummation of, One way to look at it, the kingdom of grace has arrived now and the kingdom of glory is coming. Sometimes the church gets those things a little bit mixed up and we want glory now. There's a lot of glory theology out there. Christ is being revealed as enough for the soul's cry for satisfaction. And it is enough to see his glory, and to see his glory is possible for us. So the sermon in a sentence is this, our deepest need, largely hidden from us, is to see God's glory revealed in Christ. There was a PBS um, documentary about seven years ago or so, and it, it had a about six or seven teenagers around a table, and there were laptops there. And uh, these kids were just all over social media, and I, whether it was Facebook or whatever it is they were, whatever they were using, and so they were just filming. They're just filming these students, and there was sort of a contest among all of them about how many how many followers, how many likes how many notifications they could receive and so they're animated they're talking back and forth and they've posted something and now they have they have are watching their friends react they were on they were just uh, it was it was the room was electric with excitement about what was going on such was their need for a sense of glory of course it's self-oriented isn't it Notice the attention I'm getting. And the the soul cannot bear the weight of the self. The self must be released from itself. And this is what John is commending to the world. He's commending to the world this Christ who is the glory for the soul. Will you join me in prayer as we consider this, this text and just look at it for another moment. Let's, let's join hearts and pray. Lord, reveal your grace to us now. Reveal your presence to us. Father, may there be a sense of, of, of what it's like to, to know you and to glory in knowing you. Father, help us to not dismiss this moment to believe that yet again we can, we can explore true happiness. We, we can find this water that will never cause us to thirst again. Thank you for this moment. It's your moment, Lord. In Christ's name, we ask you to take this moment for your purposes. Amen. Amen. All right, very quickly and very simply. There's enough in Jesus, for his grace brings light. And there's enough in Jesus, for his grace brings life. And there's enough in Jesus, for his grace fills. His grace fills. All right, we'll look at that those things. All right, so there's enough in Jesus, for his grace brings, brings light. Look at verse 4 for a second. Verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. If you experience the grace of Jesus, it is an experience of light. experience of light. Do you recall the day when Jesus became clear enough for you, where you began to see how precious and different he was, how uniquely qualified he was, to be your savior do you recall those days perhaps you trusted in jesus as a young as a young child but as you grew as a teenager as you grew into young adulthood you began to see this is the unique person that i have been made to have a relationship with he is enough because his grace brings light his grace brings light Just notice in John's gospel, in his introduction here, how, how soft his imagery seems to be. It's, he's, there's a tone that's just calming. Look at verse 4 again. Look how beautiful it reads. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Look at that, just, there it is, smooth. This is not a uh, extremist zealot writing. Uh, Go blow something up. No, far from that. Go assert your will into the world. Go make God's will known and and demand people respond. Far from that. Not even close. Not even in the same hemisphere. In him was life. And this life was the light of men. Have you experiences of that, of the grace of God? Just gently opening your eyes. C.S. Lewis talks about how he and his brother were headed to a zoo one day. And he, Lewis was in the motor car. It was a, a motorcycle with a sidecar. That's right, in sidecar. <laughs> and they're on the way to the zoo. And Lewis had been an avowed atheist up to that point, or at least an agnostic and intellectual. And he had been, through conversations with Tolkien, this Christianity thing, this Christ. Began to hear the gospel. And on the way to the zoo, he said, I wasn't a Christian, but on the way back from the, zoo, <laughs> on the way back from the zoo, I was a Christian. Now I don't know what happened there with the animals, were the animals talking? I don't know. So there it is. Just just that smooth. Christ captured the mind, the resistant mind of a powerful intellect just softly, smooth, worked into his soul the beauty and the sensibility, the rationality of Jesus as your Savior. And he just he came out, I'm a believer now. Just sense his His light. This is what John wants us to know. now Matthew takes us into the journey of joseph and, and Mary, and we go to Bethlehem and we see shepherds on a hill and uh, we see this, the the host of heaven, the angels singing. That's all remarkable stuff It's kind of boom boom stuff right whoa there's, there's a lot happening on that evening when Christ is born and uh, you know so but John's this, John's like smooth, smooth and Silky. For this in-between time, do you f- sense that you have enough light for your life? Do you sense that you have enough light? Uh, and what? And my, another question might be: What do you need uh, light for? What do you need light for? Well, John says uh, one of the marvelous things about Christ as the light. Um, Look at verse 5. The light shines. That's a, that's a good purpose for light. Uh, and it shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. How about that? Do you need that light for your remaining darkness? The remaining struggles of your life? Things that you are trying to overcome. Hardships, perhaps things are still hanging on from your childhood, ways of thinking and believing and acting and and things that are just feel dark inside you. Do you believe that Jesus is interested in that? Do you believe that you have to be sort of cleaned up before you could ever present yourself as you really, really are? Do you think that he can't handle the darkness, the darkness, the dark thoughts that you have? You know, John, of course, wants us to know that these, this great cosmic battle that has consumed so many ancient religions, light and darkness and good and evil, even today, these are themes that we wrestle with. John wants us to know that the darkness that Jesus encountered, uh, he overcame it. He just shined into it and blew right through it. Yes, he was crucified. Yes, he experienced a, a moment when he was the fool on the hill, but he overcame He just fooled Satan and he overcame all darkness. It is a darkness. There is still a darkness in this world. And that darkness cannot comprehend or value or appreciate Christ. He could be a historical figure, he could be a great moral teacher but he is not the ascended king of glory. No, no. no. A mere mortal, meant well, but in the end he died and should never really have any kind of impact on any life anymore. The darkness cannot understand the glory of Christ. That's it. The darkness cannot appreciate his uniqueness. Look at verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. That's interesting. He is the author of the world's existence, the creator of it, and yet the world does not recognize him. And John is setting something up. He's setting up that if you do know him, if you do know him, this grace of Light has come into your heart. Your heart that was at best indifferent. (laughs) Your heart that was resisting. This grace light has come into your heart. Even though Jesus had come to his own, they resisted. How about you? Do you sense a delight in him? Do you sense his goodness? If God's grace light wasn't powerful to you, you would have been just like his own, who thought he was a mere mortal with no saving power. God's grace must be a burning and blazing grace moving right into the darkness. One of the most r- remarkable events is sort of a, I don't know, it's, it's a big event, but actually in by way of our present understanding of it, we don't seem to appreciate it. And that is the the European pagan tribes that were ruling Europe were brought to faith in Christ. And this is, by way of church historians, one of the great, moments of the Holy Spirit's conver- converting power. And, of course, this began a, the process of helping Europe becoming, become what we'd call civilized. That the Christian gospel began to highlight excellence and beauty and goodness. The darkness of Europe was overcome by the light. Of course, it didn't, wasn't overcome perfectly, but sufficiently. The darkness looks like it has all power. There's the, there's the darkness of political tyranny places around the world. There's the darkness that causes martyrdom. and The darkness will not be softened because someone is ethnically related to Jesus. He comes to his own and his own do not receive him. And of course, this would be true for us as well. But in verse 14, John says, We, we, we saw his glory. Now that's the key. That's the key. To see his glory is the key. Now, if you are a believer in Jesus today, at some level, you have seen his glory. It could be the sweetness of a little six year old professing their faith before the elders. This is why I believe in Jesus, and they have some sweet thought about Jesus, how good he is, and that's, that's the glory. It's, it'll grow and develop, but that's the sweet, sweet uh, communication of glory. He is enough for this time. He's enough for this time. And Jesus, when John is reflecting on the, the subject of glory, now we have to read his whole gospel Now we have to just turn the page and begin to see, John, what what did you see? John, what did you see that was so glorious about Jesus? And now we have John's uh, signs, John's miracles. Uh, He begins to portray certain miracles as displaying the unique glory of Jesus. I love John chapter 2, uh, where Jesus comes to a wedding that is running out of wine. You can't have weddings that run out of wine. And Brandon calls this the, the unnecessary miracle. The wedding would have been just fine with, without the wine. Yeah, it wasn't the best, but they got married, and we had some, some food, and we ran out of wine. Oh, well. And Jesus comes on the scene and says, this can't be. And he takes common water. And does a miracle for the flourishing and the joy of people. The unnecessary miracle. Do you imagine Jesus wanting your flourishing? Do do you picture him wanting your deep happiness? Do you sense his pursuit of you? That you would flourish as a human being. And, of course, he moves throughout. John moves to show us more of this glory. How about the glory of people who need an abundance of food? And so the loaves and the fish are multiplied to feed 5,000 men plus women and children. John chapter 6. Walking on the stormy sea and calming it. For the peace of his disciples and for them to glory in his power. And the man healed of blindness in John chapter 9. And how about rising from the dead? Is there any glory in that? Is he enough in his shining glory for us? The grace revealed. Is he enough? He's enough for his grace brings light. Secondly, he's enough for his grace brings life. Wow, this is so beautiful. What does he have to say to people, John? What does he say to them that's so vitally important in his prologue? What what doctrine, that would be better put, what doctrine does John think is so central alongside the incarnation with the word made flesh, but what's right next to it, what's right alongside it? What doctrine would be right there and John? one of the most beautiful and neglected doctrines in the church, John highlights the doctrine of adoption. Verse 12, for as many as received him, for as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. This is the doctrine John wants to communicate to the world. This is the glorious doctrine grace that brings life and of course he's just mentioned the darkness right how the darkness resisted the light but here is personal light that means so much not just cosmic kind of abstract stuff this is the stuff for us to as many as received him the light had come into your hearts and to make you desire him you see, often in evangelicalism, we think Christ is coming to the front door. He's knocking. You know, we're supposed to let him in. You know, you know, we have all this power. We have the power of will. We have, a, you know, and he just keeps knocking. He's kind of this frustrated Jesus. He's king and Lord, He's a, but he can't quite convert anyone. Think about it. Just think about it. He rose from the dead. He's ascended. He sent the Spirit. And all of this... He, just can't and it's hypothetically possible that he died in vain you really want to work on that one you might have some fun with that so what we do in the evangelical church is we have all this idea of Jesus knocking on the door that imagery does come from the book of revelation yes it's there but what Jesus does while we're focused on him at the front door he's going through the basement into the back door into the soul and he opens the door himself Uh, the morning that I turned to Christ, I was not going to church to believe in Jesus. I can testify to that. I had no interest in understanding Jesus or learning about him. Is that true for you as well, or am I the only one? I'm here. crickets are in the room here. That is true for all of us. And John, for some reason, says, oh, yeah, by the way, and how did we become children of God? It would have been, Perhaps some would have been more comfortable if he just left this alone. Just, I don't know, we just just become children of God. It's sort of, I'm not sure how it happens. Oh, no. Oh, no. He goes on, and he says, oh, by the way, how did this happen? Look at verse 13. This is what the grace looked like. Who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now, that is That is grace that brings life. And folks, whatever you got going for you in your life, whatever successes, whatever achievements, whatever you're feeling great about in your life, I'm telling you, there is nothing greater than that truth right there. You're going to survive this age because you've been born again. And God brought that about. And that is the beginning of a complete renovation of the heart. Stage one is this time. Stage two is when you are fashioned with a new body, and oh, will you, will, oh, will you love to obey? That will be great. Theologians call this doctrine regeneration, meaning that how does a person become born again? God works to overcome our human resistance. We receive a new nature. And then what it feels like from our level, from from our experience, it, it seems a bit different. Our experience is conversion. Our experience, conversion has two sides, faith and repentance. So there's the tears of repentance. I recognize I need a Savior Here's how I see that I'm a rebel before God's eyes. The tears of repentance are coming from a nature that now recognizes how good Jesus is. And so the glory of Christ is revealed that in that our hearts are renovated such that we belong once again. Men are in the news these days. Anyone following the news? There are deep and serious consequences to believing this idea that there really is no loving God in the world or in my world. No one who wants me. No one who can change me. No one who has grace for me. There are huge implications for spiritual apathy or indifference to live in a cold, brutal world for all you have is the impulses of your heart. Imagine the kind of change that can happen in someone's heart if they would believe and receive the beautiful truth of adoption. That God sought us out, wanted us, redignifies us, rehumanizes us, makes us flourish again renews us, renovates us. Imagine what that would do in how a man would treat a woman. Imagine the one who has been given dignity and restored and is flourishing. How he would communicate respect and honor to another person. God is conferring dignity upon us. Bringing us, the orphans, in. And John says, this is the doctrine. This is the central thing. We are all orphans by nature. And we're all acting as if we are orphans. We are fighting, clamoring, restless, Augustine put it. Pascal said we can't sit in a room and be content with ourselves. This restlessness... And God establishes as a central theme of the Gospel of John family. Think about that. Think about all how many extremists there are in the world today when you think about family. Did they grow up in a rich, loving family? What was their environment like? What is it like to, to be nurtured and loved by a A father like this who brings us in out of the darkness and pours out light upon us and grace upon grace. And he gives us this wonderful older brother, Jesus, to protect us and to care for us. God establishes family as the central theme and experience of his rescue mission. That's why John that's why John puts it here. As he reflects back on his whole life, walking with Jesus, what did I have? What what can I offer the world? I can have for the world the doctrine of adoption. John highlights all of this in the context of darkness and rejection. And then finally, just one quick moment here, looking at his grace, he, he is enough. For his grace fills. He is enough for his grace fills. Look at verse 16 very quickly. Look at that word. I've been trying to get my mind around that word fullness. You see it there? Of his fullness we have all received. I wonder if John is struggling to try and figure out what does it mean to walk with Jesus and to know him? Well, it's fullness. There you go, fullness. One time in Presbytery, we uh, had a sermon by a veteran pastor uh, his name's Rod Miles he's north of San Francisco and it was just this beautiful moment in this sermon and it was like we, we knew what he was talking about but he was really poor at communicating it was great it was this moment where we were all tracking with him and then he summarized salvation with this phrase and he kind of gestured like this and he said this life I don't I don't think I can re, recreate it but it was this moment where we all identified with exactly what he was saying because we can't quite put our arms around it but it is fullness it's it's a tangible weightiness it, it's a it's a it's something that it's not elusive but you can't quite c- contain it but it's with you scriptures talk about knowing god and i think that's what john's talking about we 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 sensed his fullness that means that we our minds began to be retrained we began to understand what eternal life really means we began to move in love and this love was coming from his fullness we began to move in hope and obedience and joy we began to sense there was nothing that we needed to be afraid of, of his fullness we received. Think about that. Think about for your marriage. What do you need in your marriage? Husbands, you need a better wife. Wives, you need a better husband. Well, what? Maybe you need the fullness of Jesus. Now, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, you study it, study your New Testament. And begin to search, what on earth would this mean? Fullness. And how do you receive his fullness? But something about this fullness is what he reveals, verse 18. The Father is is the hidden one. But something in verse 18 tells us that Jesus has revealed him. It's the fullness of this fatherly presence. And we know... Jesus' Father as our Father. And somehow to do that, when that happens, and as that's happening, we experience fullness. We experience fullness. And I am okay with leaving you with a little bit of mystery. Um, It's okay that this remains a little bit unexplained. But Jesus is chasing us down today. And wants us to experience this glory. You have been made to see his glory. And to to come alongside the preached word. We have his presence in the glory of of the Lord's Supper. And let's turn to that now. Will you join me in prayer? And so Lord we now come. To the one who makes us full. Lord may seeing your glory be enough for us, enough. Father, our deep needs, our deep needs, go deep, deep, deep. Thank you that you're right there. You're right there in the darkness. You're right there in the restlessness. You're right there, and there's nothing about us that has ever stopped you from embracing us, causing us to be renovated in heart, And we are your children. Feed us in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.